this is Uwe Ball. If you want to help support the podcast on this network, go to rogueintel.com. Thank you and go fuck yourself. This program is not censored. Consider yourself warned. Lights, camera, action. When a script is written that is so bad that no one will film it, two men will bring it to life just so they can mock it. This is Table Reads. So the movie's kaput, which means your script ain't worth the buffalo shit on a nickel. Table Reads. With Sean McBee and Trevor Thompson. With special guest Jimmy Williams. Hey everybody, welcome back. To Table Reads, episode 46. It's going to be part three of the Crow 3 Resurrection. And we are joined not only by Jimmy, but also by Danny Gorbachev, a, uh, a buddy of mine who has a beard. That's okay. true. I don't know anything else about him. We're not. That's we're not all that the qualifications close, really, of being John's friend. Is. That, that <laughs> pretty much sums it up. Not a beard, but he has one. So, uh, just a reminder to everybody, uh, Table Reads is part of the Rogue Intel Podcast Network, so check us out at RogueIntel.com, like Uwe Boll said there at the beginning of the show. Uh, there's other good shows on there, um, and I'm not even going to tell you what they are. Just go and discover it and find out, and you know that way they can get the page clicks and whatever. Yeah, help them out, guys. Come on. So, yes, do that. And um, should we just get into it? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, discuss what We're so has happened excited. so far. Oh, sorry. You said get into it. You mean get into it. Previously on Table Reads. Table Reads. Fuck. Fucking egg. There was a firefight! <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, my man said, just go for it, man. It'll work. So, uh,. Here's what happened, and it's going to be real fast. Nobody interrupt. There was a police showdown straight out of an 80s cop movie, uh, a la Beverly Hills Cop, uh, at some docks in San Francisco. Everybody escaped from that, except for like one dude that got punched to death by our protagonist. (laughs) And then... Our protagonist was getting married, and in typical cliched motherfucking fashion, a helicopter comes over the hill and just opens fire on the entire wedding and kills our hero's wife. Our hero jumps onto the helicopter, yes, you heard that right, onto, and then uh, gets shot and falls through a tree and hits the ground, and apparently he's been shot in the head, and he's now... In a hospital in a vegetative state for the past, what did they say, two years? Two years. Two years. So now it's two years later. Our hero is alive, but vegetative from getting shot in the face. And his partner, Sarah, comes to visit him. Our hero's name, by the way, is Cato. And this That's not the, racist. This That's not 90s. racist. <laughs> and this was the late 90s, 97. 97, this was written by the writer of Die Hard. And, you know, I need to look it up because I mentioned Beverly Hills Cop there. I think he wrote Beverly Hills Cop 3. Oh, the good one. 
Oh. The one with that super gun. You remember that super gun in back in? Yeah, uh, dude, I've seen them all. I remember. Yeah, yeah. That that super gun was reused. John Landis directed that one. And that super gun was reused in Firefly. Was it really? As Jane's favorite weapon, was named it, Vera. Did they keep the cassette player in it? There was a whole fucking thing about it having a cassette player and a microwave and all this extra mm-hmm. shit. I don't remember that. That's, oh, they dude, have to have that, or it won't be a good reference. Dude also wrote <laughs> Commando. Oh really? This this dude wrote like the all the bullshit. This guy was the 1980s fucking action movie like motherfucker. Fuck Commando. Jimmy doesn't like Commando. It was a I'm piece of shit when it came idea. out and we do it. Why don't you like Commando, Jimmy? Because it was too over the top. I mean, the body count was just ridiculous. It was it, it was just so much like look at my arms, my biceps. Look at my shoulders. <laughs> well, you know what? It would certainly make sense as to why, you know, we've, we're on what? A, it was like if you was a Claude fan and you had to look at his ass through the whole thing. That's what it was like. It's like, you know, look, I know he does karate and he got a nice ass, but come on. Yeah. You know, like that's There's. All right. Hold on. So I'm, I'm just going to go through his filmography a little bit. Running Man. Die Hard. Uh, I'm only reading the good stuff. I'm, I'm skipping over Super Carrier and Bad Dreams. Uh, Die Hard 2. Uh, 48 Hours was apparently in there, but I guess... Oh, yeah. That was longer ago than I thought. Yeah, I wrote 48 Hours. Die Hard 2. Hudson Hawk. Motherfucker wrote Hudson Hawk. That's pretty good. They didn't think so at the time. No, and they didn't. And I thought so for a while, but I tried to watch it again two weeks ago, and it was like, stop. Really? Beverly yeah. Hills Cop 3. Yeah, there's parts of it that are cool, like Richard Grant and Sandra Bernhardt, but, you know, uh, the whole movie as a whole, no, no, mm. no, no. Beverly no. Hills Cop 3, he created a TV show called Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. What? And he actually wrote Steven Spielberg's greatest film. Jaws? The 1994 classic, The Flintstones. Oh, okay, the second fast <laughs> Oh, Oh, and he wrote the terrible 90s uh, Stallone Judge Dredd movie. Oh, and that's not terrible. That's the one with the, with the, com- the comedic genius of Rob Schneider. Yeah. And the great acting of Armand DeSante. We're going to war. We're going to war. We're going to war. Oh, yeah. You know, he, he started in such uh, television classics, writing episodes for uh, the... Uh, Six Million Dollar Man and Night Rider. God damn, he should be good. He He's been writing be. a long fucking time. He bro. doesn't have to be good anymore. He gets he gets hired because of his name apparently in this stuff. Dude, that he you did. know how old I am? I was fucking like seven, six when a Six Million Dollar Man came out. Six or seven years old. These motherfuckers should be. <laughs> a, I mean, by the time you get to Die Hard, you should be at a really good level, man. Yeah. Yeah, he was at a good level then, and then he fell off. He probably got Alzheimer's or something. <laughs> Strippers. We Stripper, need to read, Hollywood stripper bitches. We need to read that book, that Die Hard book. Apparently, that's like an amazing book that all you have to really do is just transcribe it. So, yeah. uh, why don't we jump into the script? Oh, my God. Okay, let's do let's it. Let's go. Let's go. Fade in. I have to give a little bit of backup because this guy doesn't really use slug lines. <laughs> so we're at the hospital and we're cutting to a close angle of Julius, who is uh, one of the brain damaged 
crazy people there. Ramage. He's a uh, he has memory problems, and he was voiced by Danny. So get ready, Danny. So. All right. Cut to Julius close. He has just discovered. Why is that in quotes? Because he doesn't have a memory. Oh. Yeah. I got mad for no reason. I got you really did. mad. I went from zero to hundred right away. Yeah. But when you put again Tre- in Trevor, there, Trevor you don't have all- to put the quotes around. Look, this. I'm hungry. <laughs> okay. Trevor. Trevor is. Uh, I got high knowing pizza was coming, and I and I then I got a little bit higher than I Trevor, should have. Trevor's on edge. I'm on edge, literally. Look at my look at my little. Those motherfuckers, you got to like. He guards his plate and shit. Want to bite you? We've yet to get through the first sentence. Come on, people. (laughs) We have no hope. (laughs) He has just discovered the photograph in his pocket again. As he puzzles over it, we widen to see the group breaking up. (sighs) Widen. Okay. Bad. This is badish in mid-speech. Thank you all for joining us. Let me turn the music down. Thank you all for joining us. It's been stimulating. Why are as you always, echoey? Because that's when you do in your speech. You have a mic. She's in a tiny room. Oh. In a, it's like a fucking AA thing, like a circle of chairs. Well then, shut up. Because there's usually well, they're usually in a big open area in those places. It's been stimulating as always. Until next time. She gets up, leaves. She pauses beside Cato, touches his wrist. Then she walks over to Waldo. Speaks quietly. He nods. Why are we doing this like a caveman? Fag hit ug. Angle on Waldo. He comes over, starts to wheel Cato down the hall. We hold on them as they leave. And then camera discovers Clarence Sherman. Camera's a character, apparently. PhD. His eyes narrow, boring in on Cato. It's boring, all right. (laughs) Clarence looks around, spots Badish. Or Batish. Let's do Batish. I like Batish better. Yeah. She's got like big ears. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Covered Pointy in fur. teeth. <laughs> and she got webbing in her arm. <laughs> in her, between Pointy her fingers. Head. Pointy nose. <laughs> Blind as a bat. Spots Batish. Yeah, and her shit looks like whiteout. I'm Batish. Leaving <laughs> <laughs> upside down. <laughs> we stay with him as he catches up to her. Uh, who wants to be Clarence? Should I be Clarence? Jimmy wants to be Clarence. Yeah, because right. I'm black, right? No, and because Clarence black. No, because Clarence Jimmy, he's got a PhD. He's got a PhD. Calm the fuck down. Yeah, well, he's you know he's still black. Yeah, well he's 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 like do him like uh, do him like uh, Bill Cosby then do him like. The Cliff last Huxtable. time you saw a white Clarence. Uh, fucking True Romance. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. There you go. How about that? There you go. <laughs> How about that? In a Quentin Tarantino movie, a In white a Quentin character movie, with a black yeah. name. <laughs> Who would have guessed? Where, where there's a white guy who thinks he's black. Drexel Spivey. He thinks he's Elvis. Oh, and Elvis thinks he's black. Now I know I'm pretty, but I ain't as pretty as no pair of tits. <laughs> oh, that's right. And that guy played Beethoven. Yeah. Ah. Dr. Baddish, I'd like to talk to you about that patient of yours, John Cato. Why is he in your processing group? That's for high-functioning mental patients of normal intelligence. Cato is completely catatonic. Baddish breaks her quick stride, turns to face Clarence. Uh -uh. Uh-uh! Look, Clarence, we both know your doctorate is in hotel management, so don't start (laughs) diagnosing my patients. And for your information, Cato is not catatonic. She walks away. Mm. Indignant, he catches up. Not catatonic. He opens the file. 
reads as they walk. Severe damage to the parietal lobe. Complete destruction of the perceptive fibers. As a result, patient cannot feel pain, heat, cold, or any physical sensations. If that's not catatonic, I'm a moron. You're a moron. Yes, that is an accurate description of the physical damage to his brain. But everything else, memory, speech, locomotion, those things are all intact. That's why he's in the group. So he can start making human connections again. She's reached her goal. The vending machine. <laughs> there, finally. <laughs> I want an orange crush. She opens her purse. Let me hold that. Oh, yeah. Well, doctor, if he's capable of walking, talking, and thinking, then why is he doing an imitation of Caesar's salad at the taxpayer's expense? Huh? Banish huh? stops. <laughs> Trapped. She turns. Sighs. I... I don't know. Money changes everything. I know that's right. <laughs> I've tried everything. He has really great insurance. He has really great. Yeah. The only possibility is that at the time of physical injury, there was tremendous psychological trauma as well. Cato's wife was murdered right in his arms. It may be that the undamaged portion of his mind just shut down to protect itself from that memory. Yeah, because that's a medical explanation. She takes out change, goes to the candy uh, machine. Then how do you cure that? You bring his wife back to life. <laughs> yeah, and you train these fucking, these, these ravens that are supposed to be crows to fly in front of exploding trees. I saw the trailer for the second one. That's where I'm getting that from. You keep him in physical therapy so his muscles don't atrophy, and you wait and hope that the world will somehow push the button. Damn! She said that because this machine has in, eaten her quarter. She turned into Prince there at the minute, at the end. Shut up! Already. Damn. The button. Gotcha. She wiggles the knob, then the little change door. Yeah, the button. Might be a piece of music, the smell of a familiar kitchen, the voice of a friend. Or Hold on. He's going to experience the smell of a familiar kitchen at the hospital? <laughs> yeah. In group? Because he loves the kitchen at the hospital. Yeah. The voice of a friend or the face of an enemy. Bum, bum, bum. And that is the most painfully <laughs> obvious foreshadowing I've ever, ever it really is. Yeah. experienced. Anything that pushes hard, anything that punches hard enough on the pain that locked up his brain. This is so gothic. <laughs> the pain in his brain. <laughs> the pain in his brain. Struck the second time. Sometimes the motor of the mind starts up again. That's your theory. No, I'm, Jimmy, that's not what she's. I'm with it. Clarence on that one, bitch. That's what you got. Yeah, <laughs> that's your theory. Yeah. Yes. She kicks the vending machine, gets her candy bar. Sometimes it works. Cut to exterior hospital day. Sarah, we've been through three scenes basically. Yeah. At this point, I don't know what's going on. Exterior hospital day. Sarah comes out. A car cruises slowly alongside her. Always a good sign. A big, good-looking young galoot named oh Tony God. is driving. Oh, galoot. God damn. Mm. He's God damn. Okay, we just described him as good-looking. I want, I want to say that the, the description of him is good-looking. Yeah. A good the, looking next, young the next line is, he's not as good-looking as he thinks he is. Well, that's because he's a galoot. 
So he's good looking for a galoot. This just gets more and more racist. I think, I think a galoot is somebody that thinks they look good, but they're not looking that good. I, I think. Know. I think the big galoot. I think. I think. God, you can never talk with you two, Tony. I think I want to hear Danny's <clears throat> Italian Tony guy. Yeah, hmm. do a real galoot, Danny. Uh, yeah. Hey, hey, doll, uh, want to take a mustache ride? Don't you have to start shaving first? We tighten as she gets in. The accoutrement in the car. <laughs> the accoutrements in the car and the crackle of a police radio makes us realize it's an unmarked police car. Is it? We on a call? Go with Buster. Oh, it's not my bad. line, is it? No, it's Tony's line. Come on. Nah, luck. Back to the division for paperwork. How's your friend? Better. Bullshit. Guy at the station, they talk. Elvis will wake up before he does. I don't want your opinions any more than your come-ons, okay? There's always hope. Like Scarlet said, tomorrow's another day. Shoot him for that! Shoot him for that! <laughs> Fuck you! Fiddle Shoot D him. fucking D. They drive away. Camera pans across the street. Two men, Custis and Stokes, are in a parked car. That's me oh, and no you, Sean. Cops. Custis photographs the cops with a digital camera, which must have been great in <laughs> 1997. I got .3 megapixels of this bitch. <laughs> I still got some of those pictures. <laughs> Cut to interior Biodyne Pharmaceuticals. Day. Widen from a flush-mounted desk monitor. The digital photos we saw taken earlier are being downloaded. This guy loves the word widen. Custis and Stokes are are seated here, giving their report to a man who sits back to the camera, looking at the city below. It's probably not Byron. I don't think it's Byron. Do you think it's Byron? I don't think so. All right, who's Custis? I am. Uh, What nationality is Custis? I have no idea. I'm going to go with something Eastern European. Okay. But like the dirty, hairy ones. What do you mean? Like, uh... Like, make him Armenian or something. No. I don't no. Know. No, that's not right. That's not an Armenian name. I don't know Maybe. what the fucking Armenian it might be name Turkish. is. It might be Turkish. Turkish, yeah. Turkish. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Trevor asked, and he's like, now I'm in over my head. I, Trevor's like, I don't know what the fuck Turkish people sound like. Well, that's the thing. I'm like, I only knew one Turkish person my whole life, and it was a woman. You know, in your search for racist stereotypes, so many, so little time. You know, pick one, motherfucker. All right, fine. Here we go. She come today, same as every week. Camera circles the room as Kustis speaks. <laughs> he'll he'll be Borat. Some other. I'm fine with that. Yeah, it'll work. Some other men stand around the desk. We realize with a start that we recognize some of these people: Pring, uh, Acer, and. Terrell. Ow. Art to kill, boy, Terrell. Art to kill. But all have changed. Not like the slight changes of hairstyle and wardrobe on Sarah and Badish. Here the changes are deliberate. Exaggerated. Like, like when, uh... <laughs> like when John Mulaney describes going back to another doctor two years later. And he says, 
And that same orderly was there, wearing a pair of glasses this time, to show that time had passed. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. It's as if these people wanted to change as much as possible, but only on the outside. Fuck you only on the outside. Uh, Yeah, that shit was way unnecessary. What the fuck is that supposed to mean? That whole thing is unnecessary. There's so much unnecessary stuff in the script. All right. He could have stopped after it deliberate and just went to Terrell. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy, read your line. And the doctors, does she talk to them about medicine, research, pharmaceuticals? No. No, and we checked. Stokes? Who wants to be Stokes? Danny. I'll have it, Stokes. Yeah, I went in last week. Did my vending machine repairman schmoozed with the nurses? Pay attention to the ugly ones. They talk up a storm. <laughs> this gash is definitely not working on a case. All she does is call visit her this gash. patient. <laughs> call uh, her a gash. I like this guy. That, well, that worked for that voice very well. This too, gash is definitely not working on a case. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead and finish that. All she does is visit this patient. This As Stokes fumbles through some notes, Custis comes up to his rescue. Tweaking the equipment. Judd Cato used to be her partner, former SFPD police detective, a retired two years ago, a full metal disability pension, no immediate family, only, only visitor is surveillance suspect, Jean Dobry. The last figure the camera finds is leaning back in a luxurious chair in the shadows. A luxurious mm. chair. But now it leans forward into the light. It's Byron. <laughs> oh, no. Did anybody see that coming? We all did. We all totally called it. Clean shaven now. Hair marcelled back, whatever that means. What does that mean? Body. It's, it's got like a Band-Aid in the back of it. <laughs> Body armonized. Only the driven eyes are the same. Oh, God. He looks up at Terrell. Who's Byron? I think Danny was Byron. Or Jimmy. Jimmy was Byron. God damn it, Jimmy. So, she's not interested in me. I thought more of an impression. thought I made more of an impression. How could you, Conrad Byron? Didn't exist until two years ago. He taps Sarah's image on the video screen. And she can stop existing whenever you say. Pring and Acer look up expectantly, sensing action. <laughs> but, but Byron rocks in his they're chair. They're ready to cap a nick. I know, that's oh, right. They're like, what are we Pro-lack. doing here? They're ready to cap a woman. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go shoot us a dame. Shoot us a bitch, man. <laughs> uh, no. She's been chasing smoke for two years, looking for a man who doesn't exist anymore. Killing her would bring an investigation. Killing her would bring an investigation? Do you need to say that out loud? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, To these motherfuckers, he has to paint a picture because they ready to bust a cap. You know, police. Have you heard of them? (laughs) (laughs) I celebrate their entire catalog. When someone gets murdered, they they do this thing. Unless they come up missing, and then they try to figure out if they're missing. (laughs) (laughs) But that also is an investigation. (laughs) And we don't want no investigation. All right, finish your line. 
<laughs> you don't need to attract attention, not with high-profile drug ready to hit the market. That everything? Not quite. We're going over your pharmacy inventory and there seems to be some discrepancies. Ether, dimethylamine, oxalicloid. <laughs> Why would I know anything about that? Because they're the key ingredients for making crack cocaine in a street laboratory. Like the one you set up, you know, on St. Vincent, on South Vincent. He looks coolly at Stokes, who has the sense to fold his hand. Okay, okay, you got me, Mr. Byron. I thought maybe I could do a little thing on my own, but you're right. Don't even say it. How could it be my own taste when I didn't even pop up for the materials? One thing you gotta know is, I never touch the stuff myself. I don't smoke, drink, nothing. You can have everything back. The chemicals that are left, the money I made. We have enough of both, thank you. And now, thanks to you, we have exposure. I don't like exposure, Stokes. We're on the verge of a big government contract. We can't risk our reputation for pennies. Your reputation? You're pushing drugs for the government. I'm pushing them on the street. What's the fucking difference? (laughs) (laughs) Way to nail that line. That is a profound philosophical question, Stokes. Perhaps you'll help us answer it in the years to come. You mean you're going to let me go? I mean, we're always short on donor organs for our tissue banks, especially young, healthy donors who never smoke or drink. Stokes jumps up, too late. Apparently, Terrell has drawn... Already. Already, Terrell has drawn and aimed a silencer equipped forty caliber. Thup, thup. Thup, thup. <laughs> Stokes. It's silence, dude. It's thup, thup. I don't have a thup, thup. So don't play anything. It says thup thup in the directions that I read it. Yeah, you better get the silencer sound. What the hell? Stokes, shot in mid-wanna escape leap, arcs almost gracefully to the oh, floor. fuck you. Did you have a stroke while you were writing that sentence? Oh, my God. Then slides across the polished marble like Tom Cruise. Mr. Byron, <laughs> Dr. Fields called. She wants to see you in the lab right away. Tell her I'm on my way, Janice. Oh, and Janice... Have Quinn and Baker come in here. I want my office swept again for bugs. He stands, close to the com- closes the computer file on Sarah. It winks out. Because that's how computers work. <laughs> <laughs> Have Mr. Stokes dismantled, Mr. Terrell. Try not to damage too much of the merchandise. We could get prices for all the parts. You know, I think that would be a good time... To take a break a little early in this episode. Yeah. But uh, we'll be right back in just a few minutes. Table Reads will return after this brief word from our sponsors. I say, I say, I say, boy, I say, boy, every time I got to go get new boxing gloves for that daggone chicken hawk, I go to rogintel.com slash Amazon. And I get him the bestest boxing gloves that Amazon can buy. <laughs> Look at that. He's hitting that dog. That is the dumbest dog I've ever seen. 
Hey, it's Clint Daly, host of the Daily Dose Sports Podcast. You know we release a new podcast every single Wednesday, and we bring you our own unique outlook on the world of sports. You know, we try to give you some actual insight and maybe a common sense approach to sports. Whether it's breaking news, some of the biggest games, or even some sports history, check out the Daily Dose Sports Podcast now on the Rogue Intel Podcast Network. The Daily Dose, your daily dose of sports and sarcasm. TableReadsPodcast.com Lights, camera, action. So the movie's kaput, which means your script ain't worth the buffalo shit on a nickel. Now, now, back to Table Reads. Now part of the Rogue Intel Podcast Network. All right, I hope you guys learned something. (laughs) Jimmy, did you learn anything while we were gone? I learned while you were gone that a cop can't get through the police academy without legs. <laughs> huh. It's important that you learn that. Yeah. All right. So Byron has just uh, ordered Mr. Stokes dismantled. And now we go to the reception area. Janice nods to two big men, Quinn and Baker. They nod knowingly, go into offices... Go into the office as Byron comes out. Make sure you sweep under the rug. Camera follows Byron as he crosses the penthouse floor. He presses ranks of the impressive high-tech medical machines his company supplies. As he is about to hit the elevator button, the elevator opens and Dr. Annabelle Fields storms out. A large piece of cardboard under her arm. How do you like that name, Jimmy? Annabelle Fields? I I actually like that name. I do, too. Around 40, looking a decade younger because she gets up at six to pound a punching bag so she can deal with all the assholes in her life. Yeah, we know that from just looking at her. Yep. That name. Right now, her chief asshole is Byron. Dr. Fields, I was just on my way down to see you. Uh, I guess we should figure out who Dr. Fields is. What the hell is going on? Yeah. Good, good one. It's <laughs> a good choice. <laughs> <laughs> she flew. <laughs> Mid transatlantic was that? <laughs> Crazy. She sounds cunty, whatever it is. <laughs> that was the idea. Yeah. She flips over the cardboard, a mock up of an advertisement. It shows happy, vacant eyed workers on some public infrastructure project. The multiracial cast and the color-coordinated hard hats have the slick appeal of a soft drink ad. <laughs> Only the name, Civicalm, and the illustration of a prescription bottle in the corner inset tells us this is an ad for a drug and not a gum or cigarette or soft drink like you said two seconds ago. Oh, Jesus. How can you plan a campaign for a drug I haven't even finished beta testing? (laughs) Doctor, there's nothing wrong with contingency planning. If we wait until all our ducks are in a row before we plan, we... She puts her hand firmly on his back, steers him into the elevator. Could end up with some very dead ducks. Hit 12. Byron hesitates, not used to being addressed in this manner. But he complies. The door's shut. Cut to an elevator, lab floor, day. The elevator opens. Fields and Byron exit. 
walk through a room full of laboratory animals in cages. Oh, those assholes. <laughs> Man is the real villain in this movie. There's <laughs> everything from rats to rabbits to dogs and chimps. They approach a pneumatic door. Fields hits the control and it whooshes open. Ah, <laughs> uh, this guy wants to be published so bad. Other side. Writers. They walk <laughs> into noise and static. Reverse angle. Fields' assistants are using a powerful MMR CAT scan. Okay, MMR is the mumps, measles, and rubella vaccine. <laughs> so are they doing a CAT scan for mumps, measles, and rubella? Is that what's happening? Are you suggesting, Sean, that this guy doesn't do his that research? The screenwriter is not researching this stuff properly? Well, it is only the revision. I shudder to think, Sean, that this man... Jesus, Raul, come on. <laughs> I shudder to think that this man did not do his research. <clears throat> Jesus, Raul. Sean, need I remind you, die hard. Jesus, 48 Raul. 48 hours. Shut up! And that's it. <laughs> Jesus, Raul. Don't use that without the warning light. Already, Fields' pens are rattling in her pockets. Byron's tie tack jerks away from his chest. Okay. What he meant when he said MMR CAT scan was he meant he meant MRI, yeah. which is okay. not a CAT scan, no. nor an MMR. <laughs> it's an SUV. It's a d- d- VCR. Uh, it's a mm. CUW. I think I was successful <clears throat> enough to just write shitty scripts that would it's get bought. A- Nobody made them. He has a doctorate at BYOB. I don't know. Fuck it. Byron's <laughs> Byron's tie tack jerks away from his chest and close clangs onto the side of the MMR. Back to scene. I bet that's coming up, right? Wider. As the assistants shut down the machine, the tie tack falls to the floor. The mortified assistants scramble to get it. I, I'm sorry, Mr. Byron. No harm done. Get lost. Now. <laughs> I love your voice for her, dude. <laughs> Sean's, you know, ta- Sean's tapping into his inner cunt. <laughs> you know what it is? It's, uh, it's John Mulaney's sassy woman voice. <laughs> it does sound very Mulaney-ish. They quickly exit through the pneumatic door. Also... Mm. A pneumatic door? Yeah, I was going to say, I don't... Those are doors that would go... (laughs) They're air-powered doors? Where are we? What year is it? Right? It's 90s Futureverse. That's how they do it in the lab. Except we had automatic sliding doors when I was a small child, and none of them were pneumatic. No, they just opened. (laughs) The last time a door actually, like, opened with a pop hiss... Was like 60s Star Trek. Yeah. Actually, they did it on uh, Next Gen, too. Oh, that was just continuity. (laughs) How did the doors work in uh, 28 Days Later? Oh, shit. I don't remember. I was watching the movie because it was compelling. (laughs) It was compelling. I'm like this shit. Well, at the very beginning of it, they break into this animal laboratory. Look, you're asking the wrong guy. I I don't remember. Me neither. That's why I was asking. That's oh, all. Okay. <laughs> that went nowhere. I was thinking maybe doors like that were in those kind of labs for the animals or escape or I don't know. Hmm. Maybe it's just writing badly. <laughs> you, it, you know what? That's a long shot, but maybe that's what it is. Maybe this they is just, badly written. 
badly written. Okay. I'm just going to go out. I don't know. Do you think? Is that possible? I don't know. This guy who wrote Die Hard. (laughs) (laughs) Who are we to judge? Who are we to judge the the guy who wrote 48 Hours? They quickly exit through the pneumatic door. Fields moves further along to a computer workspace. Sorry about that, Ace. Take a chair. I don't like the tone of your voice. I am the head of this company. Okay, two chairs. She hits the buttons on her keyboard. A video window appears on the computer screen. (laughs) Footage of a white rat in a cage. Oh, that's fucking... That's artsy. You see this? Civicalm. Normal dose for a healthy adult rat. She hits the button. Another cage. Another rat. Then another... Normal dose for an adult. Normal dose for an adult. Seems fine. Try this. She hits another key. Now we see one mouse after another, staggering, twitching, dying. Normal dose for an adult. Normal dose for an adult. Ditto, yada, and yada. Well, obviously the dosage was wrong. No, it wasn't. Wow, she's a real cunt. <laughs> that's, the, that's what I'm going for. <laughs> Good book. Way to go. She stands. There's just a variation in the weight of adult rats of 20 to 30 grams. Not very much, but just enough to make the normal dose for one rat a fatal dose for another. I don't see your concern. Where the fuck There's is no the problem. There's no problem with Civicom. Just with the subjects. Look, we're, we're only like a third of the that's way some, through this script. That's some draconian shit right there. <laughs> it's like, it's like if they're dying, it's not the fucking fault of the medicine. It's them. No problem? If you extrapolate a gram variation to humans, you're talking about four pounds. People gain and lose four pounds in a week. And people weigh from 90 pounds. Wait, and people. Weigh from 90 pounds to pounds. Yeah, okay. I wasn't. No, you're having a stroke. No, you. And people weigh from. He was while he was writing this. And people weigh from ninety pounds to pounds. Mm. There's no way we can standardize the dosage. Relax, doctor. It's under control. Toleration variation is routine in this industry. Yes, but people aren't going to tolerate this variation. Ain't gonna. That's a very important word in this script. Oh yes, especially for this doctor lady. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, but people ain't going to tolerate this variation. They're going to drop fucking dead. (laughs) That's taking sedation a little too far. They're going to drop fucking dead. (laughs) Final Stands uses his board of directors meeting voice. Dr. Fields, the United States government has contracted us to develop a reliable, low-cost sedative without psychological side effects of previous hypnotics. My researcher says we have done this. Your research might as well be printed on toilet paper because that's all it's good for. Oh, snap. Somebody think they bulletproof. She's sassy than a ma. She hits the computer. A graph comes up. Then a DNA footprint. Other information. That's crazy. By the way, where the fuck is the crow? Look, man, we're, we're only like a he's sixth of the drooling. way into the script. Yeah. Like, he's drooling. It, we're on page 37, going look, into page 38. Look, look, don't you remember the movies? <clears throat> yeah. He's only been catatonic for like two years. That's a good point. 
I mean, I those mean, crows wait a really say, long time to bring people back to life, right? Yeah. Say what you yeah. will about the shitty second one, and it was shitty, but at least by like the f- minute seven, he's come back and is already putting on the makeup. I mean, that makes what, no sense. It doesn't need to make sense. I'm not there for anything to make sense except that I want to sure see. Sure as it. hell isn't making sense because he ain't supposed to put the makeup. <clears throat> oh, that's right. Somebody else has to put it on for him for some stupid reason. No, no, the no pro there's put no reason for him to have that same makeup. Because, yeah, he shouldn't have that makeup because Eric only wore that makeup because it was part of his his band. Yeah. Don't you remember two yeah. weeks ago when Jimmy dis- when Jimmy explained all this? I remember that two weeks ago, but I also fucking think that by page 38, at least the crow in some form should be here, and he's not. He is. He's, he's catatonic. Oh, not catatonic. Well, yeah, he's catatonic. I'm with Pirate. He, he has weird <laughs> scars on his face. I think that might have something to do with his crow look. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll see. Yes. Look at these variations all over the map. And this serum you incubated civil calm in. <clears throat> Where the hell did it come from? Peering closer to screen. Where is this original animal subject thriving after five years? The subject is thriving. The subject ain't human, that's for sure. Not with this serum footprint. This isn't simian either. Looks canine, except for these mutated genes. I'm not here to play 20 questions, not on my salary, not on yours. You expect me to meet the FDA people on Thursday? That's what I'm paying you for. And between now and then, I expect you to run all of these tests again. And again. Alright. But it won't change one fucking thing about this fucking drug. You're predicting the results of the test before you run them the second time. Hardly scientific method. He moves to the door, turns. I expect more professionalism on Thursday. Thursday's professionalism day around here. I'll try not to say fucking in front of the FDA. Feel my glance, bitch. He looks at her sharply. (laughs) What do you think the F in FDA stands for? (laughs) Fucking drug agency. Exactly. He looks at her sharply, goes out. Interior, animal lab, day. Terrell and Acer are waiting near some of the uh, cages. Byron joins them. She's going to crack, isn't she? Let me take care of her. Not yet. Billions are at stake with this government deal. I need Fields to sign off on the research or we'll lose the contract. After that, if she's a loose cannon, she's a loose cannon that goes overboard. He gets in the elevator, leaves. Terrell finishes up with his cigarette. Notices the chimp in the nearby cage. With a grin, he flicks the butt into the cage. The chimp eagerly picks it up, (laughs) then howls with pain as he burns his fingers. Stupid fuck. You never learn. Rid. A beautiful sunset. Oh, for crying out loud. Camera adjusts. (laughs) (laughs) It's the smog. (laughs) We're in the sunroom. Cato sits by the window. Head lolling, eyes vacant, collar wet from his own drool. Told you. <laughs> a janitor mops the area, moves a table lamp, a potted plant, and then Cato. See what they did there? He's like a lamp or a plant. Yeah, we get it. And then, you know, the next part really blows. None of them seem to As mind. Most of the parts we've seen already. You needed to talk over me? I did. Shut your face. You don't talk right. None of them seem to mind. New angle. 
As the janitor moves away, Badish appears, drained after a long day. She notices Cato, turns toward Waldo, who's moving a body down the corridor. Waldo, can you get Cato back to the ward? Right away, Doc. Gotta hit the freezer first. He goes into the elevator. Camera holds on this corridor. The janitor has mopped his way down to a fire door. It opens behind him. We hear a muffled voice. You ain't supposed to use this door. Go around to... That's all he says before he is battered and kicked into silence by three junkies. You couldn't have done fucking Bane? (laughs) (laughs) You ain't supposed to be. Use this door. Go around to... You use the darkness. (laughs) They move as quietly as they can down the corridor. The leader sneaks a glance around the corner. His POV... Camera pans Uh, the empty corridors, then moves to the pharmacy, closed at this hour. Back to scene, because we left the scene, despite focusing on these same characters the whole time. (laughs) Kills me. Leader. Be on the lookout, by the way, from now until, like, the day we die, for back to scene in a script, because I don't think we're ever going to see it, as long as we live. At least not this much. I've never seen it before, ever. Who's the leader? What, back to scene? Yeah, I've never seen it say back to scene before. It's, well, you, when you, it, it's in like screenplay, um, like when you're trying to find out how to write screenplays and the headings and stuff, you'll see it in there, and it's supposed to describe something that's happening outside a particular um, percep- perspective of one of the characters, but it's kind of fucked up because a scene should involve everything going on and even if one character is in one side of the fucking um planet and the other was on the other side if you're cutting back and forth between them i was fucked up you know if you're cutting they, back they and forth shape. if yeah. you're cutting back and forth you just say intercut yeah yeah exactly you don't even you know you don't even have to do that if you if you establish it like what's happening and the people can follow it you really the whole trick about what we learn is that we can't get away with this shit this is obviously somebody that's gotten away with it because they're successful but the rest of us have to shave our shit down so that people don't look at dumb shit like also this guy's not leaving the scene he's not leaving the scene he's not intercutting He's just changing no. what the camera's no. looking at in the scene, and then saying he's back to the scene. He's making a rewrite. He's yeah. making the he's making the director look at this shit and go, "There's no fucking way I could even start shooting." I mean, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this shit? I gotta rewrite it. Oh, he's, oh, you know what? That's actually smart because the writer gets paid to do a rewrite. So if you write something bad enough the first time, but good enough to sell, when they hire you for a rewrite. You basically get paid twice on the same script. Now, we have a leader of the junkies, and we have another junkie. So who's going to be who? I'll be the leader. Fucking candy store, man. All right. Take what we need. Sell well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Danny's going to be the other I'll junkie. I'll be the junkie, yeah. All right, read your line again, Jimmy. Fucking candy store, man. Take what we need. Sell the leftovers. Oh, what leftovers? Laughter. Ending in a hacking cough. <laughs> They're all sliding into withdrawal. They cross quickly toward the pharmacy. As they move, one of them draws up short. Fuck, we're busted! Camera adjusts. He's pointing to Kato. They freeze until the leader looks at Kato more carefully. He grins. Busted! He steps closer, flicks his cigarette into Kato's face. No reaction. <laughs> Even as the butt falls to Kato's breast and burns out, scorching his pajamas. <laughs> He's a fucking carrot, dick shit. 
Now open Sesame. The third junkie takes out lockpicks. With shaky hands, he starts to work on the door. Come on, come on, come on! You said you're a pro! Uh, I, I got the shake, Seti. What are you doing? New angle. Badish has returned. Even as she asks the question, she realizes the answer. She spins, darts toward a phone. It's halfway to her ear before the junkie leader has charged forward, yanked its wires out, and pressed her against the wall. You got a key, mama? Get out of here. Now, before it's too late. It's already too late, bitch. He grabs her roughly, drags her to the pharmacy door. Open it. I don't have the key. He slaps her. I could have done that. (laughs) Mine was more fun, though. I said I... He slaps her again. Don't have the key. He looks at her, as pissed that she isn't afraid as he is that she isn't cooperating. Suddenly, he grabs the shoulders of her lab coat and pulls them down, pinioning her arms. Pinning, you mean pinning, not pinioning. Not pinioning, dude. He quickly pats her down. No key, huh? No key? Realizing no fucking key? Jesus, Eddie, we gotta get something. Yeah, we're gonna get something, all right. Right now. He looks at Badish with a different expression. Runs his hand over her body again. Oh, mm-hmm. I do declare. You're pretty fine for an old lady. You know that? And in an instant, he knocks her to the floor. He kneels over her, but even though her arms are pinned, her legs aren't. Yeah. She kicks him hard. Yeah. Bitch! How still? Or her. Kato, still sitting, still drooling, while the sound of the violation continues ten feet away. I'm a hero! Da, 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 da. Back to scene. My heart will go on. The men take turns. This is not what you want to do while you're going through withdrawal, by the way. Yeah. I just want you to know, people, this is not... This is how they be trying to figure out a way to get some coke off that bitch, no matter what, or something. Be- <laughs> you know, j- junkies, they're just like a criminal lot, man. They just... They, a superstitious, cowardly lot. They just want to go around doing crimes. Like, they can't get their drugs, so there's... Hey, hey, there's a girl. Let's do a girl crime. A girl crime. <laughs> get our quota a bunch in. of tampons. This is, this, is, this is how this screenwriter thinks, apparently. <laughs> hey, what's a bad thing that could happen to a girl? <laughs> Obviously, rape. Yeah. Well, you know... By homeless, homeless junkies. Yeah. That is, like, the standard, you know, bad movie... You know, bad thing to happen to a girl. It was in Training right. Day. It was in so many movies, dude. Uh, so many. The, the men, the men take, the men take turns kissing her sloppily, <laughs> giggling. <laughs> then it gets serious. Oh, okay. Then they're gonna go to prom with her and stuff. It's getting serious. The leader starts to rip open Badish's clothes. She fights him furiously, punching, biting, kicking. It's all the others can do to hold her down. This is good music oh, for oh, that. Oh, okay. Kato. This romantic No music. change unless a longer trickle of saliva counts. Back, Back to scene. The leader takes out a knife, slits Badish's bra open. And they just fucking whip out like tube socks. Hospital windowsill, same time. 
the crew lands here. It peers the crow, in, not the crew. Oh, the stupid. crow. The crow. I gotta turn my brightness up. Hold on. <laughs> your your personal brightness <laughs> in your brain. The crow lands here. Well, it says. I know it what says it says. Crow, You're right. I'm just fucking with you. Calm down. It says the crow as if, as if they've established. If, yeah, a crow. there's no. They've never established. We've it. never seen any bird, any crow at all in this in, whole thing. Yeah, in 42 pages, they haven't. You know, the only time it says the crow is on the title page. Yeah, the crow lands here. It peers intently into the room. Camera tightens on it. Cato, is it our imagination? Or was there a flicker, flicker of a reaction in his eyes? Are you asking us that in the directions, you fucking hack? Yes, yes, he is. Yes, yes, he is. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. <laughs> Jimmy's so mad. Goddamn. Crow at the window. Well, look. Breach Hall, I'll die. You're not under the line. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it cause flutters away. The crows seem to be calling his name, thought Caw. Back to scene, low angle. The leader unzips his fly, spreads Badish's legs. Suddenly, the second junkie looks up as two white-clad legs appear in the foreground. The third junkie notices them first. We follow him upward as he stands. Hey, it's the carrot. New angle. They all turn. Cato is standing there on unsteady feet, face still a blank cipher. Fuck you. Behind him... <laughs> I was looking to you for confirmation. <laughs> I was like, is this really what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> fuck uh, you. <laughs> uh, behind him, the wheelchair finishes a graceful turn from the momentum of Cato's rising. God dang it, dude. Damn. The empty chair is spinning because it's empty now. God damn it. Oh, my God. Because he stood up from the fucking... Oh, God. Oh, boy. That is a great movie. Get rid of him, please. The third junkie snaps out a switchblade, swings it. (laughs) Suddenly, Kato's arm is up to block the blow. The third junkie blinks. His POV. Dark light, dark light. (laughs) (laughs) The knife is in Kato's arm. Tilt up. Expressionless. Showing no pain. Kato looks at the knife. How did that get there? (laughs) We almost hear long, dormant mental gears turning. We do. We do. Uh, Yeah, we're hearing them now, dude. We're hearing them right now. Yeah. As we look at the writer. (laughs) Knife. Perpetrator. Victim. Oh my god. Back to the scene we're still in. <laughs> we're still here, folks. The third junkie starts to giggle. <laughs> and we thought he was stoned. We. 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 Yeah, we yeah. thought we was stoned. Wham. A fist ends his sentence. Wham. No, the period ended his sentence. What are you. On the floor. The other two junkies react as their friends slam down beside them, nose shattered, eyes blank. Teeth and blood leak from his torn mouth. What? Jesus. Yay. Back to scene. <laughs> the two remaining junkies... He doesn't know what a scene is, maybe. Yeah, maybe he's like... Maybe he thinks it's like an animation when a scene he's is definitely literally... definitely misusing it. He is not using it. Probably. Maybe he means back to the shot. Because yeah, in anima- maybe these are maybe these are like in animation, a shot is a scene. Because when you hang out your shots to animators, it's a scene, but it's a shot really. So maybe he's like an old I, school I, animator. I, I, 
I, I, I, uh, There's nothing on his IMDb to indicate that he's an old school animator, dude. Well, then fuck him. I hope he dies. Is he dead? I, now? I never did anything like this. Is he this, dead so right now, Sean? Oh, you know, I never thought to look. Um, Please tell me he's dead. Actually, I, I don't. I don't care enough to look at it right now. Oh man! <laughs> I'll look between episodes. Yeah, because he needs to be dead. He needs to be dead. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, where the fuck are we? Oh, How the- are we on time, by the way? We're, we're almost time is almost up. It's fucking seven twenty-two. Uh, the two remaining junkies leap to their feet. The second junkie charges. We hear the crack as Cato breaks his arm. Then his fuck. Knee. He's alive. Yes. <laughs> yes. Sean, Jimmy looked it up. He cared enough to know. Oh. Oh, I thought he was talking about Kato, and I was like, obviously, what? I was very confused. I know that's right, because I, I was upset that he didn't die, but I want him to be dead. This is what I want. Hate, 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 hate. Hey, man, remember, if anything happens to Jonathan Gems under mysterious circumstances... We got nothing to do with it. It, it would be irresponsible of the police not to at least call on me. <laughs> We didn't. We didn't kill him, but we planned his. We made his death that much more. I mean, I didn't. I won't have killed him, but I'll have dreamed about it every night until it happens. You may have manifested it. Uh oh. Uh oh. He's got something I want. Uh oh. What do you got? Get the um, critically acclaimed graphic novel reboot of Will Eisner's classic comic character Sheena, Queen of the Jungle, and I heard about that. He also did. He also did a uh, Will Eisner uh, spirit movie in the seventies that I never knew about. Yeah, that happened. Yeah, good lord. Yeah. Uh, he's still working. He's from Philly. Some, you know, your neck of the woods. Trump. Oh, he's oh, probably yeah. writing those M. Night Shyamalan movies. He's then. my people. Oh, then you know what? Fuck him because he probably wrote uh, Devil. He he didn't actually write any of those. I just figure like two hacks yeah, right. coming together in, in Philadelphia. That in that area. And making it. And making it, yeah. Against all reason. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's more of that established, you know, screenplay guy. Because I mean, Shyamalan may make shitty movies out of Philadelphia, but he at least has a, a gigantic farm to do it on. Yes. Okay. Moving Go to Dave Chappelle. Yeah, but you know, Chappelle's way better. Moving on. Uh, two remaining junkies leap to their feet. The second junkie charges. We hear the crack as Cato breaks his arm, then his knee. Cato spins, kicks. The second junkie slams into a water cooler, which erupts around him, the water turning red. The remaining junkie punches Cato in the face brutally twice. There is absolutely no reaction. It's like hitting a wall. The junkie has the presence of mind to block Cato's return punch. And then he howls as Kato reaches down. Uh-oh. Oh. New angle Don't as Kato... Uh, sorry, as, wrong kind of howl. <sighs> New angle. As Kato grabs the guy by his... By his... Oh, fuck you. Well, by something we remember is exposed and convenient. And You're supposed to tell us. We're not, it's not a riddle. Penis. <laughs> Spoilers. He's got an issue with penises. That's his problem. I can't believe Danny's first interjection in three episodes is to just go, penis. Been been waiting for the right time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was the right time, actually. That was exactly the right time, so. I mean, this guy's probably just like a real prude. Oh, my God. Uh, Man, can you imagine his conversations with his fucking 
urologist by my by my well by something you remember i exposed earlier when you were giving me the tests <laughs> and even though we can't see it clearly oh you, we weren't going to show his penis graphically in 1997 <laughs> that you can't even say the word of the hysterical scream from the junkie gets the idea across as Cato whirls, spinning him around until his feet are off the spinning him around by his cock <laughs> until his feet are off the ground. Well, the cock does act as a fulcrum to the whole body. Then, so. then Cato lets him go. <laughs> <laughs> so true, so true. The last Socrates couldn't have been wiser. The last junkie gets his wish. He gets into the pharmacy. There's a sickening crash as he goes halfway through the wired glass and dangles there, four feet above the ground. New angle. <clears throat> he moans and passes out. No drugs! from a dozen cuts. <laughs> Back to scene. The sounds of combat are now ringing alarms. Bring, wait, the... The sound of combat and now ringing alarms bring security guards and Waldo running. That's my alarms. Holy shit! (laughs) Dr. Baddish! That's two separate characters, by the way. Yeah. I know, I know. He helps her to her feet. Danny, you need to do more voices because Jimmy has one voice. Oh my god, guys! I'm going to do this voice! Holy shit! Oh, it's, it's fucking Marty McFly. Uh, he helps her to her feet. She pulls her lab coat closed. Already, she has the presence of mind to take Waldo's ID card from his lapel and use its clip to secure her own modesty. Ugh. Waldo. Jimmy, stop. Come on, Waldo. Stop Sorry, hold on cutting. a second. <laughs> Hold on a second. He's trying to rub one out. He's thinking about I'm trying it. To put, I'm trying to put, keep the bile down. All right. <laughs> Are you okay? I'm fine. I'm fine. In fact, she moves over to Cato, who now slumps to his knees, drained. She peers into his face, takes out her little flashlight to look in his eyes. As she hoped, he reacts. I, cu- I couldn't be better. Hey! hey! Oh, we got two security guards. Why not? No, no, we, no, no, oh, my God, this line is we have, a, we have an echo. Okay. Uh, Jimmy, you're not the security guard anymore. Danny, go. I, I got it. With Hay again. Hey. All turn. Focus change. He's by the pharmacy. Where's this guy's dick? As <laughs> Badish looks down at Cato's hand, suspicious, we cut to getting the fuck out of here. Fade out. Tiresome, Sean. Hey, man, the crow showed up and ripped the guy's dick off. What Finally. the fuck more do you want? Um, I don't know, a good movie. But I guess yeah, I was kind of stupid. Yeah, I, I can't go past 7.30, guys. You guys got to call this off. All right, so Sean, so Jimmy is tapping out. Yes, he is. Oh, man, can you believe we only got one episode more done today than we typically would have? Yeah. I blame, I, I, I blame told you before, the worse they are, the I mean, I, bl- I, I blame you because Sean was like, you know, I was like, you know what, Sean, let's do this. We'll, we'll do a day-long thing. And I said, I'll give you a full day. And Sean's like, all right, I'll be over at 2. Well, I 
did have a meeting about a job at noon. No, I and feel Danny you. couldn't make it till two anyway. I'm and not, then Danny was, ended up being was, late. That's true. I'm not saying anything about your character. That pizza break, that pizza break kicked my ass. <laughs> Because I'm sitting up here eating my pizza and drinking my stuff and all this other shit while you guys... And then I'm like, where the fuck are they? And I started thinking, are they just sitting back eating pizza? And they're just like leaving me on hold? No, Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy, most of that was me outside on the phone with the pizza delivery guy yeah, trying guy, to get his ass here. The guy didn't find us very easily. Ah, good. Thanks for clarifying that. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, for the audience to know. We, we spent like two minutes actually eating pizza. We just kind of opened up our esophagi and just jammed that shit down. And see, we wanted to make sure we were on break when the pizza came because we've been criticized by our friends at the Rogue Intel Podcast Network. For Can you turn that down some, Jesus? He's fucking on the beach with that shit, boy. It's not that loud. I don't know what's wrong, Sean. It's at least as loud as me. It's nowhere near you. Um. Anyway... Uh, yeah, we've been criticized by our friends on the Rogan Tell Podcast Network for accepting a pizza delivery on the show. But I mean, that's when it, it arrives, so you know what are we supposed to do, guys? Duh. I don't know, but it just makes it seem more real and affable. I don't know why would they not want a delivery. Anyway, it is true. Jimmy's very old. Seven thirty <laughs> is about his bedtime. <laughs> So we gotta stop recording now. Yeah, I know you guys have fucked me all up, man. I gotta take my fucking Geritol. <laughs> I need my ointments. Mm-hmm. And also, mm-hmm. and also, he's black, so you know you gotta put some lotion on. Yep. But yep. I think after that Epsom salt bath. I think the real question here, though, is, uh, Danny, are you are you down for coming back and finishing this script some other time? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Danny's having I'm fun. Down. You Way to be a trooper, Danny. Danny, you, Danny's having a lot of fun. He wouldn't know it to talk to him because he's been very quiet. But uh. look, man, it's it's tough coming into like someone else's established thing. Yeah, um, kind of feeling it out. Yeah, yeah. You know? What do you think? He'll he'll spread his wings. Kelly Kelly took her time too. Jimmy didn't because Jimmy just always pushes his ass right into whatever the fuck. He doesn't give a shit. <laughs> Rude fucker. Well, Jimmy's. Yeah, Jimmy. Jimmy's got uh, his name though. Like he, people say his name before things before he comes on. So he's all like, "I don't have to work." <laughs> Jimmy's like, you know, got an introduction. He's part of the. Jimmy figures he's part of the of the work of the woodwork. Is that what I'm saying? Well, I see. I I figured that even though I didn't know you guys when I first saw you in the fucking Denny's, and I was like, wow. "Oh, that's my crew." They, it just hasn't happened yet. Wow, you see that? He's been stalking us. He's been fucking trolling us this whole time. See, I, didn't, I didn't even know that shit. I didn't know he was checking us out at Denny's. You know, I, I must have told you guys that's how I first saw you. You guys never saw me before? Before Andre? Um, I never I must, saw you I before you worked at the movie theater. I must have been stalking then because I saw you a bunch of times, especially at the Denny's. I mean, if you went and, to that and, uh, Denny's a lot, that's where we lived. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I went to that Denny's all the time. And I remember the time, the first time I saw you guys, it must have been after the midi, uh, the Renaissance Fair. You know what? Because you guys came all in with all that gear on. That that's shows you just how fucking baller we were back in those days because we literally took over and lived in the smoking section. And for uh-huh. the most part, none of us smoked. Yeah. You guys were very but gregarious, very we, loud, very charismatic. I, I saw you guys. Man, I was looking. I saw y'all. 
Yeah, and I was there with Andre seeing you guys, man. You guys just didn't know we were we were creeping well, up. That's on why. You. That's why we. <laughs> that's why you're a part of the crew on uh, Touche El Duche, Jimmy. Which uh, that's what Andre said. He said, "Remember those guys from the Denny's?" Hey, hey, Jimmy. Trevor was segueing. That means <laughs> shut up. Oh, I, 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 I was slow. Hey, so man. Just- all right, Jimmy, if you want to get out of here, man, take off because uh, I'm out of here. All the fucking insensitivity in this Trump era, it's fucking killing me. Yeah. Oh, I'm fuck, Sean. 7.30 tomorrow, baby. We're recording. Fuck. All right, man. Peace. And uh, Danny, you got anything you want to plug? Uh, Well, just like to say thanks for having me, guys. It's been a, been a good well, time. Don't th- if you want to thank us, then come back for the next uh, recording session of this. Will do. All right. Sean, do we have other stuff to plug? Um, hit tablereadspodcast.com for all the table read stuff you can stomach and more beyond that. Uh, also, follow our entire production cycle on Twitter at the Ferris House. You'll have posts whenever any of our podcasts post. And visit all our good friends over at rogintel.com. They're fantastic. There's some good shows over there, and they won't insult you like we do. The voice of Table Reads is Art Carlson. Hey, that's kind of meta. Meta. This podcast was created by Sean McBee and produced by Ferris Wheelhouse. FerrisWheelhouse.net Fuck. Cut to black.